Welcome to the Self Published Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And by Kevin J. Anderson. Hi, I'm Kevin. <laughs> and his wife, Rebecca Mesta. That would be me. <laughs> I was going to make them introduce each other, or um, Kevin introduce Hi, himself. Hi, I'm Rebecca. Yes, there we go. Yep. That's your cue. <laughs> She's like, not going to do We work very well together, not always in sync, I guess. But. <laughs> um, let's see, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, in this show we talk about, uh, we give motivational tips and writing and publishing advice and craft. See, this is, I always stumble over this part and I refuse to have it memorized because then it sounds memorized. <laughs> like on an airplane. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, so uh, craft based off of horrible and good movies. And today's movie is, Kevin, since it was yours. It is Throw Mama from the Train with Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal and a whole bunch of people that we forgot were in it. But like, oh, look at who's in there. Yeah, us watching again. I was like, oh, I, I forgot. Yeah, Danny DeVito. I didn't even know who he was when I saw so him. He was so young <laughs> Yes, so young. And so spelt and so attractive. And oh, never yeah. yeah. So we're at a workshop put on by Dean Wesley Smith and Christine Catherine Rush. It's the business masterclass workshop. And it's where I met Kevin last year and Rebecca. Actually, you both were there. <laughs> right. And that's how we stayed married for 26 years. Was because you were both there? At mm -hmm. the or because you met me? Sure. You just take the credit. You go right ahead. <laughs> I'll take any credit. <laughs> Um, let's see, any updates from you? Inktober, exactly. Oh, yeah. He drew a rat in a skull today. One of the kids won. That was today. Yeah. Amazing picture. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. As you all can see on the podcast. Yeah. There's a link. Okay. There, is there a link? Oh, there will be. He just drew it today. A link will appear magically. That means I have to provide the link. <laughs> yeah, to somebody else. <laughs> to Josh. Josh is my brother. He is our video um, editing guy. He comes on the podcast every now and then because he's funny. Okay, so let's go ahead and go into the quote. Unless, Kevin, you want to talk about anything you're working on or Rebecca? That would take the half an hour. That's at the end, anyway. It's we true. It. Well, we usually do updates at the beginning. But, okay, go ahead and give the quote. That's fine. <clears throat> Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time by Thomas A. Edison. Okay, so what are your thoughts on that one? Thoughts on that? I don't know. It's the, it is what it is. <laughs> you, you always give thoughts, and I always, I always give thoughts. I know. Okay, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. And that makes me wonder, though, about doing the same thing over and over and insanity. Or you try something different if the other one didn't work, so you don't give up. Trying doesn't mean doing the identical thing. That's true. No, that's true. It's making another effort, maybe repackaging or rejiggering your brain to make sure it's going a little different direction. It's just like the experimental process, you know. That's true. Yeah. And what did Thomas Edison ever do anyway? Vent a light bulb or something? Yeah, there's a lot of comments well, I, I don't that, read, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, people to invent things. I don't remember the other quote that Edison said, but he, apparently um, the filament that he needed for the light bulb that he tried a thousand different ones until it worked. And, and, but he had an actual quote about that, that he he only did the right one once, but he did the wrong the one wrong a thousand one. times. And Good point. That that is utterly paraphrased from like what I remember from Grace. And I don't want to like think about when that. When you're looking author. for something, it's always in the last place you right. looked. 
when I'm writing a book, it's always the thousandth one that's actually good. <laughs> Boy, is one, that bad. <laughs> yeah, I've got 70 more years of writing before that comes up. Oh, speaking of which, I didn't realize, for people who don't know either of you, um, Kevin, what do you write? What genres and all that? Oh, um, I have written 150 books, and 56 of them have been national or international bestsellers. How many I books write... do you have in print right now? Over, I said 23 million, and Dean kind of Dean Smith yelled at me and said it's it's way longer than I. You stop counting after 23 million, I think, right? That's 23 million and one. And I've written lots <laughs> lots of Star Wars books, and I write with Frank Herbert's son to do new Dune novels, and I've got my own Saga of Seven Suns series, X, and X Files, X Files books, and my did Dan, you do, Dan Shamble zombie PI books. Did you do Brood War, or was that David Farland? That was David. That was Farland. David Farland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although we both did a StarCraft book as well. Um, we've written Starcraft. lots of them. And uh, Star Wars books, and Rebecca and I both wrote the Young Jedi Knight series. And Rebecca has also done, that's your cue. Um, <laughs> three books in the Junior Jedi Knight series. Very nice. um, we co-wrote two Titan 8 e-books. Nice. I wrote a Buffy the Vampire Slayer novel. Oh, very nice. About vampire it, I know what it is. <laughs> and I recently did a Hallmark, a novelization of a Hallmark movie called A Christmas to Remember. Oh. You've actually, heard of the Hallmark I, Channel, right? I, I have. And I've actually, I think I've actually seen that one. You probably have with Mira Sorvino. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, and, and Cameron it, Matheson. For our listeners, we are by the airport. So <laughs> that jet you just heard <laughs> was a jet. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin and Rebecca are both authors. And you were both, we know Kevin was writing. You were writing before you met Rebecca. Rebecca, you've been writing how long? Um, I've been trying to write from, like, since I was a teenager. And um, I used to start things and get distracted. And then um, I'd think of something else to write. And I'd think, well, it's a lot easier to write what's in my head right now than to go back and ramp up on what I was writing. And so I started a lot of different projects and then I was uh, the president of science fiction and fantasy forum at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory and we invited an author to come speak to our group and we read a book by this Kevin J. Anderson fellow and invited him to speak to our group. It was love at first sight. And when he arrived I discovered he was a snot-nosed kid, five years younger than me, and he was, like, published and everything. And you're like, what? I was incensed, but he clued me in that you have to finish something first before it can get published. So after that, it started working. So she spent many, many, many years just typing the night was and not finishing the sentence. Now, there's a segue to the later part of this podcast. The night was humid. The night was moist. So <laughs> That's so awesome. You'll okay. get that in a little bit when we talk more. Yes. Um, let's see. Okay, so we're going to talk for the tip today. I'm going to talk about testing descriptions and just kind of writing them a little bit. And I absolutely hate writing descriptions, and I know I need to work on that because it's important. Can't sell a book without a good description. And so my recommendation on that one is to Google BookBub's article on writing descriptions and to check out Brian Cohen's Facebook group. It's called Selling for Authors. And you can actually post your descriptions in his group. The it's night not... was full of airport, airport noise. <laughs> yes. The night was, yes. Rumbling. And 
Um, okay, so and then you ask in other author groups, but not unless you have um, you know that that group is okay because posting your description randomly is not usually okay unless the group's okay with it. That's going to be the tip for today, and then just because we need to keep this episode short, so. Yeah, check out Brian Cohen's Facebook group and Google BookBub's article and um, just grin and bear it and focus on becoming better at writing descriptions because you don't go anywhere without them, right? Right. Kevin, do you write all of yours or or the indie ones? Or do you have somebody who does that for you? All of your what? indie titles. Do I write oh, them bl all? Blurred descriptions, yeah, oh, the blurbs. That's okay. what you're talking I thought you meant description no in prose, like what meant. the clothing looked like <laughs> and what the building looked like. And I'm yeah. like, so okay, what's I thought you meant, you know, yeah, I like a good simile now and then to yeah. give me the idea, sure. So newer authors know too much gore in this. Well, what, what you're talking about, like, and at That's the workshop awesome. yesterday, Dean was calling them blurbs. And I said, no, a blurb is like an author. That gives yeah. you. So this is a terminology issue. It so, is, yes. Ah, pronoun trouble. Um, the descriptions, like the back, like the back covers cover, of a book. Yeah. Um, I write a lot of my own, most of them, because the other people that try to write them don't know my book as well as I do. Yeah. And often, I've been published with a great, a great many of my books were with traditional publishers. Mm -hmm. And so they would actually hire somebody and pay him hundreds of dollars or her to read my book and then write an unreadable cover copy. Yes. And I finally just started, when I would turn in the book, I would just submit it because I am good at writing cover copy. And I just went, this is what I want in my book. And they usually went, this is better than what we'd get. And we didn't have to pay for it. So how did you get good at writing it though? I mean, just practicing it or studying a lot of it? I mean, well, I, I kind of have a a marketing mindset as mm -hmm. far as see a book blurb or description or whatever we're, we're calling it mm -hmm. is not meant to be a term paper summary of the entire book mm -hmm. it's meant to be a sales pitch yep. it's the movie trailer not the movie yep. and I was always pretty good at figuring out what the log line was the high concept why you would be interested in this book I try to drop in you know the, the best techno thriller since Tom Clancy you know so then yeah, you'd get things like that, like that. Yeah. Um, and so many of I mean I was publishing in the late 80s early 90s like midlist fantasy books and science fiction and, and these the descriptions they put on the back of them from major publishers of Bantam books and Signet books were just, you would go cross-eyed because they were just trying to describe the fantasy world, which is a very complex world in three sentences, and it made and no sense And they throw in all, all these characters character and magic systems. I believe and, the yeah. nader to that experience was when somebody was trying to describe um, the last Dune book. The, <laughs> It was called Sandworms of Dune, and it, well, we're going to get into a lot of detail here, but I did a whole <laughs> series, and the last Dune book that we wrote was based on Frank Herbert's last outline before he died. Yeah. And this person, this was like book number 12 or something, so this person's trying to write a plot summary. Describe oh, no. everything. Oh, no. And I got this, and I finally just got fed up, and I wrote back and said, no, that's not the way you sell the book. What to, you sell the book is Dune is the best-selling science fiction book of all time, and Frank Herbert wrote six Dune novels before he he um, tragically died and left his story unfinished. But now his son Brian Herbert and best-selling author Kevin J. Anderson found the notes for the last novel that he the wanted end. to write. And, <laughs> and that's well, all the space you have. <laughs> well, no, I mean there was. This is a hardcover dust check. Oh, so oh, yeah, of that's time. true. You can go and, back. And so we've now 
gathered all the threads and all the stories that he wanted to write, and we've written the grand finale of the greatest science fiction saga of all time, or something like that. It was shorter than that, oh. but yes. But but it was like, don't give me a plot summary. Tell us what this is cool about. Why do yeah. I want to read it? Yeah, no kidding. Um, the night was. Yeah, but finally made it to God Emperor of Dune. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of people stop there. So, <laughs> anyway, we're on with, on with the show. Okay, so we're going to talk about Throw Mama from the Train. Um, let's see, Nolan, a really quick overview of what the movie is about. A misunderstanding. <laughs> a really awesome. A man of way too few words. <laughs> uh, a misunderstanding involving murder. Where um, Owen lies to Larry and. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Owen. Owen. Owen has um, a very bad mother. That's Danny DeVito. Danny yes. DeVito's character. And he's taking a writing class. From Larry. From Larry. And he wants Who to is write. Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. And, and he... the details. <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to write a murder mystery. And he, and he actually wants to commit a murder. Yeah, he imagines himself murdering his mom all the time. And he decides that... He does attempt it at the very beginning of the movie. He does. He decides that his um, he was gonna, he's going to murder Larry's ex-wife in exchange for Larry murdering his mom. Except Larry doesn't agree. And Larry doesn't mis- know anything about it. In fact. That's the misunderstanding. Yeah, he didn't understand that yeah. that's what was because, being said. Because exactly. Owen is a little underdeveloped socially (laughs) most likely due to his mother i would imagine and living with her still not growing up i mean yeah so he's just kind of like stuck and she was pretty harsh on him (laughs) she was a pretty awful person that woman is amazing she makes you want to kill her so you sympathize (laughs) like how can i sympathize you're almost rooting for it and he's like in his 40s and she slaps him you know Now, this is an homage to Alfred Hitchcock's Trains yeah. on a Train, yep. in which two random guys meet in a train, and they go, what if we trade murders, and I'll kill somebody that you want dead, and you kill somebody that I want dead, and nobody will ever connect Because the there's crimes. no alibi. There, I mean, no, there's, there's an no, alibi, but there's no right, motive. motive. Right. So there's a lot of Alfred Hitchcock homage in mm-hmm. this in this movie there's a lot of like the way things are scenes are filmed when, when Owen's trying to kill his mother a lot of these are like straight out of Alfred Hitchcock yeah. just the way the filming is done so there's there's that kind of homage but the reason that I wanted it for this podcast is it's the most delightful writers movie it is ever. so fun because Billy Crystal is the can't arrogant, the arrogant creative writing professor at a community college. Yes. Like you and can only write with the absolute perfect words. You Otherwise, you, you must stop. Yes. Right. Yeah. And the the very opening scenes are he's he's on a typewriter, and and for those younger ones, just Google what a typewriter is. <laughs> uh, it's a, a steampunk, a steampunk version of a laptop. <laughs> is what we, um, and he sits there typing, and he's got to write the great American novel, which he's what two years late on or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know how he ever got an agent in the first place or how he ever got a book contract in the first yeah. place. But he sits down to type The Night Was. And it's like a 10-minute sequence where he's pacing the room and he's drinking and, and airplanes are flying overhead <laughs> and he can't concentrate. Uh, and he just never types The Night Was. And he but he finally, he finally picks a word. The Night Was yeah. Humid. And then when he sees that Owen use that same he goes home and he throws it away and he's it's awesome because Owen's a horrible writer according to Larry we don't actually really get into his stories though. he gets published first so that's he true does. he does alright okay so I actually wanted to ask you guys who um, is there an antagonistic and protagonist relationship in this like a tr- you know a true bad guy versus good guy 
because Owen and Larry are pretty antagonistic towards each other, but then they're friends. By but the it's end. more of a misunderstanding, and they're, I mean, the weird antagonist is the Kate Mulgrew, the evil ex-wife, who just happens to have everything go her way, which drives her. She steals her. his book. Yeah. She steals his book, gets it published, makes it into a huge bestseller. She's got all kinds of money and struggling Billy Crystal, the the, the bitter, the, the bitter. She stole my book. Um, although considering his character, I'm not entirely sure she did. We don't quite know what was going on yeah, there. Yeah. But, um, but there's so much writer stuff in here. The, mm -hmm. the, if you There's a, a whole scene where he's with his writing students in this community <laughs> college writing class. His and students are amazing. Like the coffee table book. Loud, the coffee <laughs> table book. Um, and the, the submarine Captain Dave pulled the lever that made the thing Bingo. go up. Looks in the, so and, and they look through. And Billy Crystal, the creative writing instructor, tells this woman that if you're going to write a submarine book, you might want to do a little research to figure out the terminology, what these things are called. And she's just intense, and she's writing down every word he's saying okay. about the critiquing of her of her book. And and all of these students are just I've I've met every one of them I think in my, my various even things. the guy with the coffee table book. Well, sort of. Require some photographs and every. <laughs> he it's a porn book basically <laughs> it, it's girls i'd like to is his entire book and yes. just, the book is just a list of names with photos and, and that's stuff. it yeah the girl at the grocery store that yeah it's yeah. <laughs> but but these are it's really a, a funny and uplifting writers movie mm -hmm. but what i was getting most from watching this one was I don't sympathize with Billy Crystal at all. He, as a writer, is everything that we teach writers yeah. not to be. Yeah, exactly. He's so, scary. therefore, I have to say, the antagonist in the movie is perfectionism. Oh, I like that. Because Owen, Owen's... Owen. <laughs> Owen, I mean, he wants it. I mean, yes. That his relationship with his mom, you know, it's not perfect. He's got to, he's got to move on. He's got to grow up and get out of, you know, get out of that house and let her die on her own. <laughs> I mean, Owen is actually sort of the sympathetic hero in here because yeah, I feel really sorry yeah. for this guy and he's he's the real writer. I mean, he's the guy that's going to keep finishing and he's so dedicated to yeah, the writer. Yeah, and Larry doesn't lie himself no yeah. matter what. Yeah, exactly. He's always there, you know, when Larry's least expecting him because he's so <laughs> dedicated. Well, yes. I, I saw this movie when it was in the movie theaters when it first mm -hmm. came out and did any of you write down what year it was I don't it was remember. 1984 I think 84 mm -hmm. wow and I saw it in the movie theater um, with another writer mm -hmm. and we were just laughing like crazy and we were the only two people in the theater laughing you're the only ones because that we got the it. writing jokes and the other people <laughs> didn't get the writing jokes so if you haven't seen this you, you need we got a Netflix it's like right? Finding Forrester like, if you haven't watched Finding Forrester as an author... In a long time. So. I'm, like, calling people to repentance if you haven't watched this movie as a writer, you know? This one and Finding Forrester are the two. But it was on funnier. Amazon Prime. Prime, that's how we case. watched it, too. Yeah. yeah. But it really was funny, and it really does hold up. The, the technology is kind of hilarious because all the, like, the Looking long, at the, the phones and, phone, the, yes. at the, and, and the typewriter and mm -hmm. everything, but... I, I thought it was very well plotted. There mm -hmm. were so many meaningful things in it for writers. Mm -hmm. And like Billy Crystal, the arrogant teacher, and he's just, he's so intense, but he just, he just doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah. he's, I mean, we're, we're all very prolific. We produce a whole lot of books. And to watch him just to be Agonized. two years late 
on a contract and the agent dumps him in this movie because yeah. you're never writing anything. You never turn it's like you're in. not a writer. You're you're no, a dreamer no, or whatever. Writer oh, writer writes. Writers write. Writer writes. Writer writes. That's what it that's what it comes from. And and we've quoted that line many, many times. A writer writes. Yeah. That's what Billy Crystal says and then he never goes and writes. Okay, so the inciting incident. What is the inciting incident in this movie? My question was, is it Margaret dying? I mean... A plane fell off the overhead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite. Well, I think that the inciting incident that drives everything is the moment of the misunderstanding. When, when yeah. they're at the little train in the park and Danny DeVito There's thinks that he's been given... There's charming train imagery. Yeah, oh, yes. a lot of train imagery and because Danny DeVito's toy train. Yes. Also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't catch the toy yeah. train. So, and so the inciting incident would, would be the moment where Danny DeVito thinks that Billy Crystal has said, let's trade murders. Okay, yeah. When he's making out with every, a girl and... Yeah. Oh, we're just sitting there watching? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was eating waiting chips. Eating chips, eating right? Chips. Yeah. <laughs> um, but everything up to that was sort of putting the pieces in place and leading mm-hmm. and introducing everybody so that we got to hate the ex-wife and got to hate the mother. And so they were, we were both thinking, these both need to be killed somehow. There's actually a parody of almost the worst form of everything there is mm-hmm. in the publishing field from from agents to literary thieves yeah. down to these wannabe students who think that a concept is the same as a story yeah. and that's all there is to it. So yeah. it's delightful. And Larry, who just, who doesn't ever write. I mean, the best way ever, over, to get a yes. writer's block is to write, you know, just keep going and come back to that word that you Fix can't get. Yeah. The night was moist. The yeah. night was hot. The night, the night Sultry. was sultry. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, is the right word. But, but I mean, if it was me, I would have typed the light was moist and then gone on to and 20 God more pages. And it later. Yeah. And at some point, I would have gone, oh, no, the right word was sultry and go back and put it in there. But Which I think that's actually um, a, a takeoff of uh, Bulwer Lytton's It Was a Dark and Stormy Night, yeah. that, mm-hmm. that first line, mm-hmm. which is always parodied. So yes. even his first line that he was looking for the night was sultry, yeah. um, was a parody. Yeah. Which isn't that bad of a first line. It's just been parodied so much. I, yes. I thought it was a pretty good I mean, line. it was in, in uh, well, A Wrinkle in Time. She actually started with right, the, night the Night Was, was, uh, dark, no, stormy. was dark and Stormy. One of my favorite yeah, authors, stormy, yeah. Snoopy. Mm-hmm. uses that as his opening line in well, but, uh, the Peanuts comics. Yes. But another famous <laughs> another famous Bulwer-Lytton line, and the first time I heard it, I went, that's a great line, but it's like this cliche joke and parody now mm-hmm. is the last camel Can't died at noon. Mm-hmm. But think about it. That's a, that's a good opening, opening line. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just puts all kinds of things into my mind of, okay, how many other camels were there? They're out in the desert. They're stranded. It's terrible. And, and was that the last days of Pompeii? I do not remember. I don't I'm think sorry, I listeners. I didn't do my research before doing this podcast. <laughs> and... <laughs> okay. So I want to actually talk about something. We actually referenced this a little bit earlier, but the... Um, the literary agent, he's like, I handle writers, not artists. So be an artist, let the rest of the world make a living. Yes. I love that line. Yes. So fantastic. I love that line. Yeah. Because an agent's supposed to make money off of selling your stuff, and yeah. if you don't ever write it, he doesn't get to sell anything. And neither, and the author's not going to make money if they don't write it. But he did uh, sign his ex-wife. She made money. He knew she, where the paycheck was. Yes. <laughs> um, so one of my favorite quotes in it is when Owen yells, Mom, you're alive.
life. And then he's like, old people, you have to reassure themselves. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, oh, and then he's on the he's on the payphone and he's talking to Larry and he's like, I don't want to say on the phone. All I can tell you is I killed her last night. <laughs> <laughs> such a great show. It really is a funny movie. It is. It's hilarious. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and give trivia now, and then we're going to give our top biggest takeaways. And if you guys don't have any, that's fine. You have yours? Sure. <laughs> this is the way it goes almost every episode. I've got mine written down, and Nolan's like, um... He thinks of them while I'm talking. <laughs> so this is like Penn and Teller. One talks and one doesn't. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I talk most of the time, actually. I, yeah, I'd he's usually the more the talker in this Are episode. Are we making you We have intimidated Nolan. So no, no you, he's, you he's, talk he's, more than I do, so okay. then that trumps me. So. <laughs> I'm working. <laughs> I'm working. Oh, sorry. Politics. Sorry. <laughs> We're not allowed to have politics or religion at this conference. <laughs> it's okay. A wise choice in many social gatherings. Oh, it is very nice. I love it. Okay, so the trivia. Um, Mama's speech impediment was real um, due to operations to fix her throat cancer. And then during filming, and she had additional throat cancer during filming, and she was in intense pain the whole time. And it was she looked it. horrible for her to talk, and yet she did so well in the movie. I'm like, that's called dedication. You know? She had a lot to draw on. Just be, just be, act how you're feeling right now. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, she is really one of the most loathsome women that I've ever seen on film. Yeah. She's just really... She's in the Goonies, yes. Uh, but what's ironic, that's another bit of trivia. She, in the movie, she dies a year later, and in real life, she actually died a year after the movie was released. Oh. So that was kind of crazy. Uh, this is one of the most successful movies of 1980, in 1987. Really? So it was in 84. Danny DeVito wasn't Danny's first choice for Owen's part. And Danny DeVito was the director. He had all of these actors. And he's like, I'm probably going to be the one who need to do it because he had the vision. And he's a fantastic actor. I didn't notice he directed. I know that Rob Reiner produced, produced it, it, right? Yep. And Oprah Winfrey. And she does a cameo yeah, in She there. does, yeah. No, but yeah, Danny DeVito directed it. Didn't Rob um, Reiner do a cameo? Yeah, he was the yeah. agent. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tom Hanks, Bill Murray, and Robin Williams were all considered for the role of Larry. I think none of them would have... No. Tom Hanks, Robin Williams would have been hysterical, except he's so creative, it would have been hard to believe him as being uncreative. Yeah, Billy Crystal's so Billy Crystal has to be the straight man, and I think Robin Williams would have been too out of the Have you seen um, uh, August Rush? No. He's, he's the bad guy in August Rush, and you don't learn that till the end of the movie. He, well, I just thank spoiled you. it for Thank you. you very much. Let's just <laughs> we give spoilers. Let's go movie. watch that one, one then. No, it's really good. The end of the movie. I mean, he's kind it's of about right before the climb. It's true. He like kind of kidnaps talented kids and have, has them play their music on the corners, and then he takes the money they make. He's got like 20 he's kids. He's fagin'. He's like a music pimp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's the bad guy, and he's kind of scary in that movie, which... Yeah, he actually is. He's like Billy kind of Crystal? No, Robin Williams. Robin yeah. Well, he was scary in one hour photo, too. He was very creepy. Robin Williams, he's well, you only clown, watch and clowns can movies, be, so it's, you know, yeah. G-rated. We, this one's PG-13. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, I, and for you listeners, you're going to have to do this, because I'm also pushing, Andrew, that the next writer's movie that they need to do is called The Last Action Hero. And you want to know, when I told Arnold him that, he didn't stop quoting the movie to me for two days. It is an incredible writer's so movie. Quotes. <laughs> Three days till retirement. And we laughed hysterically and nobody else and laughed. Like, like at when that. Schwarzenegger gets shot 
they have to rush him to the studio to the movie so that it's just flesh wound. Yeah. He's gonna heal from that. Right. Was, yeah. Why did you even bring him in? There's <laughs> always a guy in the closet. Oh yes. Anyway, this isn't that discussion. So, no. but you need to watch the last action hero, another stealth writers movie that we watched and laughed and laughed and laughed, and everybody's like, "Well, that's not funny. It's sad that he died with three days till retirement." What's the point of it? <laughs> All right. But most people anyway, don't know next. the writing tricks to make you care about a character. Yeah. And they actually cared about this yeah. character, yeah. and they killed him. Yeah. So they were crushed, and we were laughing. <laughs> Awful people. I so, know. <laughs> and I also laughed when the bicycle exploded because it fell off the bridge. <laughs> I'm, so this glad you guys, I'm so glad you guys can enjoy this movie that I've never seen. Yes. Uh, you're on the outside now. Which you, and I double-checked. It is it. PG-13, so you it can is. watch I double, it. I you are too. allowed to watch so it. So next time I see you or next time you're in town, we're going we're gonna to do it. I have a... The movie Although that is one of the ones on where, the podcast, uh, <laughs> Rebecca. That's what she meant. I'm just saying. Writers' words are your business. <laughs> All right. Do you have your takeaways? Um. Okay, I'll go ahead and give mine then. Okay, so and like I was telling Kevin, they're not always earth-shattering. Most of them aren't. Nolan usually does. Yeah, it's like this is a good example of a comedy movie. What things were like? How did they do some of the people? Is that your takeaway? Yeah. That will, I mean, yeah, I'll talk about that. Okay. All right. Okay. So my takeaway is uh, slow writers type slow sometimes. And my thing is, if you're a slow writer because you type slow, find a different way to write. Like yes. the recorder, like I do all my yeah. writing. Both Kevin and I dictate and <laughs> both you Kevin and Andrea and I. And Rebecca. Dictate. Rebecca, you dictate too? She had, yes. had hand surgeries oh, and can't type as well. Oh. So. See, I didn't know that. I remember you talking about it last year, but I didn't remember if you said it, you gave a consensus like, yes, I do it, you know. Yes, um, my hand surgery was uh, back in 1991, and I've been dictating ever since. That's awesome. I've been dictating since I broke my finger two years ago. On? Oh, geez. What was, which one was it when I, when I was helping? Is this TMI? I was helping my, t my five-year-old put on her tights, and I broke my finger on her. her ow! It was ow, very ow. painful. Nolan was like, how did you, and the doctor was like, how did you break your finger on somebody's leg? Because <laughs> I was pulling them up it's and twisted cool. my finger. Like, well, but now she's a writer. Right, she should make up tights some other reasons. I would tell finger on. Yeah. Tell yeah, come up with so, a So here's so my question. Yeah, no, my question for the writers here, and Nolan, if you want to. So there's people that just write slow just because they can't go faster because their brain doesn't. How, how do they overcome that? I've had a lot of authors today tell me that the reason they can't produce quickly is because they can't think fast enough. And I don't have that problem, so I'm not sure. You do prep work. Like outlines. Outlining. See, they so say they're slow at outlines, too, and then they're That's they're fine. Yeah. Because outlining is some of the most fun playing in the park stuff, and you can find somebody to help get your brain kick-started if you need to knock ideas around with a, That's a good point. Uh, husband a wife, a fellow author, those are really fun times. Yeah. But then once you've got the gist of where you're going with something, then you break it down and it's a lot easier to know what's going to go into this small niche than just to wonder where you're going at all. Yeah. Well, and I, I kind of want to turn it around a little bit because I one of my greatest frustrations is that I'm a really slow reader. 
Yeah. I see these yes. people that read a book in a day, and I'm like, go, I would just want to kill you because there's so many books I want to read. And it, <laughs> I am not kidding. It takes me a month or more to read a book. Mm-hmm. How long of a book? Like a Brandon Sanderson? Because that's understandable. No, any normal book. Okay. A, a, a 400-page paperback. I mean, because I do everything else, and I only get like 20 minutes to read a night. Okay, so but, then that's not a speed thing. That's a time no, but, thing, but right? I, but I am a slow reader in that yeah. I read. I can't not read every word. I read word every and word. The, yeah. And I know these people that go, well, I read that whole book in three hours. You, know, you couldn't turn the pages that fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're not getting the whole story. The whole story. Not soaking so I'm a really slow reader, mm-hmm. and I can understand other people who are slow writers because they need to get into it or, or they have to process as they're process doing it. or whatever if they really are a slow writer then i have plenty of sympathy if they're i'm writing slow because i'm dinking around and not writing yeah that's a different thing we've talked about that quite a bit this conference you know actually being a professional yeah. and doing your job I, I know writers who go i wish i could write as much as you and then i, I hang out with them mm-hmm. And they never write. They're always doing something else. That yeah. they're, they're playing computer games. Or Stop talking about me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rebecca. Like, I'm right here. Yes. <laughs> well, like, you guys hang out a lot, right? Yes. Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, and it was like, in the time that you played that Candy Crush game, you could have written two pages. And I tried Candy Crush for a little while, and then I was like, okay. Back to StarCraft. Oh, I love StarCraft. <laughs> I play it all the so, time. So, I mean, that's that's the thing when people are, are, to go back to what you're referring to, that mm-hmm. there's the very slow Billy Crystal typing on a typewriter, which yeah. is clack, 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 Two clack. fingers at a time, um, literally. And I used to me. type, uh, I had a, when I was writing on a typewriter, that shows how old I am, that I was typing so fast the T's, the keys often got tangled because they couldn't nice. go up and down that fast. And then I got a... Uh, IBM Selectric, which has the rolling ball thing. That was so exciting. Uh, It was so exciting and high tech. I don't even know what that is. Okay. (laughs) I'll I'll bring you a Well, it was a steam engine powered thing. The crystal was using one. Okay, I didn't see that. I just saw the Was it a ball or was it the keys? I don't remember the what he was typing. No, it was the ball. Okay. Anyway, that, that you can learn to go faster by just sort of um Practicing, practicing, and and writing, and not being all precious, not wanting it to be absolutely perfect. Right. Type the yes. night was humid, and then type the ne- and the shot rang out, and then the police came, and the body was found, and the and there I am, pages down the road, yeah. and rather than agonizing over the night was whatever that word is, yeah, and you know there there will never. A perfectly adequate finished book will get published. Mm -hmm. A perfect unfinished book will not get published. Good point. There's your quote for next week. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin J. Anderson says. (laughs) Okay, so my next point is don't be afraid to make quirky or twisted characters. Um, Have fun with your characters, you know? Like, Owen is seriously twisted, and he's wonderful. He's so so much fun. It's Larry. Yes, Larry is too. The the only normal person in this entire movie is Billy Crystal's girlfriend. It's true, actually. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. I didn't even think about that. And why she puts and up I with all this so stuff, sorry I don't for know. Her. <laughs> but I mean, every creative writing student in there is it's twisted odd in, in some, some way. way. Yep. Billy Crystal is twisted. His ex-wife is twisted. The Owen. agent is cliche, basically. I mean, the arrogant guy who just wants yeah. to make money. Owen is twisted. Mama's twisted. Everything is twisted. And she's this normal 
breath of fresh air in it. And she's like, you got to start paying attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nolan, your takeaways. Um, okay. So the humor in this, <clears throat> um, aside from the writer's humor, this like the regular humor. My, one of my favorite scenes was when Owen tries to first kill the ex-wife and goes in and he, how he puts his gloves on and, <laughs> and, uh, Something happens and he has to hide behind the couch and then she oh, and then her gets with the little boy or and the phone or rings and the phone and he's like bored and so he decides to read a magazine while they're busy, while they're busy uh, on the couch while he's hiding while they're engaging in acts of coitus on the couch. Well, <laughs> uh, you do have a seriously straight podcast, don't you? I know. Anyway, I've been watching uh, Big Bang the, Theory. The juxtaposition of like like murder and then. Yeah, the, and the sex humor. And, and, and then reading a magazine. All, yeah, and yeah. then boredom, like all, like all two in heads. one scene. Yeah, all in one scene, like all at the same time. Just like that's masterful. That was a masterful, and it, it's hilarious. It and is. they do that multiple times. And she's trying to grab the phone while you know stuff's and going so on. He, he, so he, he doesn't want to get discovered, but no, he, <laughs> he likes kind of relaxed about it, just moving it over toward her. Yeah. Anyway, there. Yeah, there's there, there's scenes like that throughout the movie. It's just hilarious how they do it. So if you want to write that kind of humor this is a good movie and I think throwing that kind of humor into even a regular book exactly random things that make people laugh you know it's great to have at least one or two characters that the reader is just delighted when they kind of come on stage yeah just to know what they're gonna do next Mm -hmm. yeah every time Owen (laughs) is on screen something weird is gonna happen yeah so like jumping from payphone to payphone across islands in split mm-hmm. seconds. <laughs> All <laughs> right, what's that? your next takeaway? Oh, I have to have more than one. Oh, I did too. Okay. You don't have to if Cameron um, wants yeah, to do I, one. Yeah, I agree with the editing thing. I mean, I do technical documents, but um, I just keep telling people when I'm tell- teaching them to write technical documents is that we can't edit it until it's written because they keep getting okay. stuck. I'm like, how do I tell people to do something? Like, well, get to the end and then we'll go through the whole process because we're writing about the process, how to do, you know, Step A, B, C, D, you know, and they'll just keep writing page one or two. So I guess it's seriously. And I'm like, you know, we can edit it later. And it usually goes through multiple levels, like four or five different levels it escalates to before it's signed off. But I'm like, we can't even get past step one. You know, we hand it to the boss and the boss rips it apart no matter how well we write it anyway, because she has her own idea of what it's supposed to look like. But we can't get to that step. The real step when we really start writing until the first draft is done. Yeah, Kevin. Well, and I, what I teach in my writing, I tell people that writing and editing are two different parts of your brain. There's the creative part and the analytical part. And if you're writing and then you're editing and then writing and then you're editing, it's like you're shifting your transmission from forward to reverse. And forward. Mm-hmm. So I always advocate just write it straight through and mm-hmm. then go back and edit it straight through because yeah. then you're in different mindsets. And I know people that write a page and then edit the page and then write the next page and then edit the page. That would drive me nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to do it that way. Dictating is so wonderful because you don't have you, that you opportunity. You don't get to edit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can say add this earlier or something. Yeah, I do that all the time. I'm like, I oh, I that. forgot to do this. And then I go back through and do that after I go through the first set of revisions. Yeah. So takeaways, um, you can just do one if you want to because we are showing Well, a takeaway is that this movie is basically showing every, every bad cliche that people think writers are. Mm-hmm. And this is the sort of cliche that we as writers who work our butts off have been fighting all the time that, that no, I am working mm-hmm. rather than, oh, you're just making up stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a bad example showing how 
nutty all these writers are and that they are professional. And, and one of the things that Rebecca and I teach all the time is professionalism mm -hmm. and that it's your job and your career and you got to turn in your books on deadline and all this stuff. So this yeah. is, this movie is the utter antithesis of an example of that because there are almost other than Owen, there are no respectful writers in this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, Owen actually does it over and over and over just to get his professor's approval. You well, know? he's where, I mean, you show, show him in the creative writing class, he's always turning his assignments on time. He's really doing a good he job. He wants to get feedback. He yeah. craves that. He craves progression and getting better. He would be really, really honorable if he just didn't want to murder his mother. But he doesn't. And he has social skills. He doesn't. He's when, got a heart of gold. Because he tries to... When it comes down to do it, he doesn't want her dead like that. He tries that. to poison her, and then he knocks the glass out of her hand, yes. you know? And he doesn't even and kill the ex-wife. He just claims he does. He didn't actually do it. So. That's a spoiler. It's okay. We give spoilers. It's fine. This movie's... Oh, it's 1987. 1987. <laughs> yes, so... We right. weren't born. Both so. of us were born at that point. I was, I was five years like, old. I was in the fourth or fifth grade. Um, the... This movie is very good reminder through every different form of writer that you see on the screen is that we can be a little bit too serious about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, every writer thinks what they're producing is going to be perfect and amazing and everybody's going to be stunned. In actuality, uh, people may be eventually, um, but it takes practice in developing your craft. and. Truthfully, the word that you use at the end of the first sentence is not going to be what determines whether or not people are going to be writing, reading whatever it is that you write. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a quote I saw online. It was, uh, you know, Inktober's where artists draw ink drawings like one a day, and there's like a list of just like random stuff. Oh, like we're and, drawing prompts. Uh, and so they're like, during Inktober, all your artist friends crank all this great ink artwork, but during NaNoWriMo, all, all the writers just complain about how they want to die. <laughs> and and NaNoWriMo, I'm like, I can do 50,000 words in five days. Well, the, the <laughs> same with, with us, they're like, oh, have you ever done NaNoWriMo? I go, every yeah, month, like all times. year long. And, <laughs> Yeah, I just thought it was funny. You think the artists? I, I like that. Yes. ones because yeah. the artists are artists, and we're just like, oh look, I drew a thing. Yep. All right. Okay. No and one... speaking of NaNoWriMo, though, we need to plug because we have the NaNoWriMo Story Bundle oh, for right. another month, yep. and that's a dozen books on writing, all different kinds of uh, writing tools, and and some craft books, and some business books, and career planning books. And Rebecca and I have a one in there about how to collaborate. Mm -hmm. And you have a book in about it's about getting your manuscript into a polished book. Working with um, professionals and volunteers, and and if you go to storybundle.com, it's the writing tools bundle. It's like fifteen bucks for all twelve books. It's like a hundred and ninety dollars. Yeah, you value. pay what you want, and you get the first four. But if you want to get all of them, then you have to pay fifteen bucks. And you want to get all of them, and you do. So I mean, there's Joanna Penn has a book in there. Dean Wesson Smith, mm -hmm. Christine Catherine Rush, um, Craig Martell. Um, and these are authors that people know. So, right. I mean, they're going to be good, helpful so, books. And it runs through the end of November. So, you, mm -hmm. I don't know when this is going to be up, but the, the, Next there will week be plenty two. of time. Yeah. Um, and a portion of the funds goes to charity, and the rest of the money goes to us indie authors. So um, That includes me. <laughs> us. And that's, that's us. how she can us. afford. Yes. Yeah, yes. Nolan, too. <laughs> yes. So there's your plug for the NaNoWriMo yeah. story bundle. Yeah. And we've also got the fantasy, the epic fantasy bundle that's coming out in a couple days. 
oh no, I have to write a blog about that one. So yes, we will have, <laughs> that's another one. Andrea and I both have a novel in, or books in the epic, the truly epic fantasy bundle. Yep. Also at storybundle.com, there are several different ones to choose from. So mm -hmm. again, it's like a dozen books and you get them all for 15 bucks and a chunk of it goes to charity and the rest of the money goes to support indie authors. Yeah. So fill your reading devices, people. Yeah, exactly. Nolan, where can people find you? Instagram, art with Nolan at Instagram.com. Is that how it works? I don't know um, how it works. We've only had one for like five art days, so we're still learning. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yes, art with Nolan. Kevin, where do you want people to find you? Um, Twitter, I'm the, the my initials, KJA, and just look up the official Kevin J. Anderson page on Facebook. That's where I post everything. Yeah. Rebecca? I'm Rebecca Mesta, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-M-O-E-S-T-A. Um, yeah, on Facebook and Twitter, and that's or our, mostly it. Our yeah. regular website is wordfire.com, and there's all the links. Is fire with a Y? No, W-O-R-D-F-I-R-E.com. Just think burning books, and that's how you... Usually when I ask Nolan where he is, he says something creepy like across the street from our listener's house, or in their shower wearing nothing but a towel. It was that fun? It was topical. I don't remember why. I guess I am that fun. Like an analgesic. Yes, exactly. All right. Okay. So I think that's pretty much it for this week. I'm the cure for that itch. Use, use the whole prescription. I think it's time to end this podcast. We have less embarrassing things to do tonight. So, oh, are you saying my husband embarrasses you? You know. <laughs> I just don't want him to get topical on me. Yes. There is a spa. Oh my gosh, he found a gay spa in oh, Vegas and he's been teasing upon me. He's been teasing me. He's he gonna looked be it up and went no. there with <laughs> the kids. With the kids while I was at the conference. <laughs> All right, okay, so, and you can find me at Andrea at selfpublishedstrong.com or in my BookBub Promotions and More group on Facebook. And that's everything for this episode. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. 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 Bye.